This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hello and welcome to our Squiz the Election series, your shortcut to the 2022 federal election. A hung parliament, the prospect of neither of the major parties getting a majority in the House of Representatives in this election has prompted some to groan and others to smile. So we're going to get into why it's a result that's being talked about in this campaign and how it's played out in the past. And I'm Claire Kimball. Let's start at the beginning with a civics lesson to get the ball rolling. Government is formed in the House of Representatives by the political party or a coalition of parties that makes up more than half of the chamber's members. If, after a federal election, no one achieves a majority, the result is called a hung parliament. And in our world, it means that neither the Labor Party nor the Coalition has 76 MPs or more elected. 76 is that magic number, of course. The use of the word hung means a state of indecision. It's also used in the legal system to describe a jury that can't reach a verdict. But when it comes to government, it's something that's quite particular to the Westminster system. That's right. And there are plenty of systems of government that facilitate multiple parties where none have have anything close to resembling a majority of members. Germany is one that comes to mind. After an election, it can take them months to negotiate cross-party agreements and to form a government. But ours, the UK's and plenty of others around the world use Westminster or something similar, and it relies on government being formed with the support of the majority of the elected members of parliament, usually because they are members of the same party. Or in the coalition's case, have a formal agreement to work together. In Australia's political history, there are two hung parliaments to reference, the first in 1940 and the second in 2010. In 1940, we were in the midst of the Second World War and at the federal election, incumbent Prime Minister Robert Menzies ultimately secured the support of two crossbenchers and continued to govern. But in 1941, those independents switched their support to Labor, bringing John Curtin to power. He died in the lodge in 1940. But Menzies lived to fight another day, becoming our longest serving PM. There's a bit of history for you. Claire, I have a feeling the 2010 hung parliament might tweak the memories of a few more squizzes, though. (laughs) Yeah, probably will. (laughs) (laughs) So to recap what happened then, uh, the coalition under John Howard lost in 2007 after almost 12 years in government and Labor's Kevin Rudd scored a huge victory. He picked up 23 seats and that gave Labor a seven-seat majority. Fast forward to 2010 uh, and the coalition rallied under the newly elected coalition leader, Tony Abbott. He really shook things up to the extent that Rudd went from Australia's most popular Prime Minister ever to being dumped by his colleagues in favour of Julia Gillard. Yep, that was the first dumping in the string of Prime Ministerial dumpings that followed. But we are not going to walk down that memory lane right now. 
Suffice to say, though, that when it came to the election in 2010, Labor lost 11 seats to finish on 72, and the Coalition picked up seven seats to finish on 72. Yeah, so neither got the 76 seats required to form government, and negotiations started with the six crossbench MPs. Now, like Rob Oakeshott's speech, I could go (laughs) on and on about that. (laughs) Which, for younger listeners, is Claire's attempt at a joke about what happened during those negotiations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you for that acknowledgement of my joke. Uh, But look, Labor leader Julia Gillard won over four of the six independents and minor party members. uh, And bingo, she had the number required to claim the government benches. And what followed was a loud and hard fought three years in Parliament. The coalition often uses the line that Oakeshott said, the Parliament would be beautiful in its ugliness, but it was really just ugly. (laughs) But those who aren't huge fans of the major parties said that it was great to see the independent MPs hold so much sway for that change. But others say that those four independents had way too much power because they weren't representative of the way most Australians had voted. And it's those opposing views that are getting a good run in this election as the polls point to yet another tight race. So let's now take a look at what the pundits are saying about the prospect of a hung parliament in this 2022 election. We've said it before, but let's say it again. As we start this election, the coalition go in with 76 seats. Yep, which is bang on the number to be able to claim a majority in that 151-seat House of Representatives. Labor starts on 69 seats and the minor parties and independents have six seats. So for Labor to win the election outright, it needs to score seven seats, while the coalition can't lose any if it's to hang on to government. So looking ahead, where we start this conversation about who has the best chance to win the election is exactly that. How is one one of those major parties going to get enough seats to command that majority of support so that they can pass their bills and set the agenda for the coming three years. But in the elections since 2010, we've also increasingly had a conversation in the election campaign about the minor parties and independents and who they would support if there was another hung parliament. And that's very much the case this time around too. So the convention is, say, the coalition and Labor tie again. It will be the coalition that gets the first chance to get support from those minor party and independent MPs uh, in the House of Reps to form a government because they're the incumbents. Uh, And if that fails, those crossbench MPs would then talk to Labor to see if there's a deal to be made there. What if it's not a tie? What if neither side wins enough seats to claim a majority, but one has more seats than the other? The same convention applies, but it's more likely that the party that's closer to that 76 seats will have a better chance of getting enough support to claim government. It's just easier for them to put the numbers together. So when you say the crossbench will support the parties to form government, what does that actually mean? Usually what it means is that they sign an agreement to give the party they're lining up with confidence and supply. What that means is that they guarantee to vote with them if there's a vote in the House asking whether they have confidence in the government and supply means that they agree to pass the government's budget. Uh, They are the two things that are needed for a government to be functional at a really basic level. 
confidence and supply now are sounding like real political pros. <laughs> what about all the other legislation and votes on the policies the party that wants to form government wants to pursue? No. So the crossbenchers don't have to go there. Uh, that's up to the party that forms government to pursue and to get the numbers on each and every vote. Uh, and that might come from strange places, including from members of the major competitor with some MPs crossing the floor. Uh, but it can also see the major parties bend significantly to get their legislation through. And that puts those independents and those minor party representatives in a very influential position. And that's one of the reasons Parliament in 2010 was so robust. Abbott went after Gillard and Rudd on the legislation they wanted to pass and the deals they were doing to get it through, making their lives pretty miserable at various points of that parliamentary term. Claire, how does it look on that front this time around? It's a good question because it's been a big part of the conversation, particularly on the Teal independence. Who would they support if there was a hung parliament? Uh, the coalition has been really pushing them to answer that question because they suspect it won't be them uh, and they want voters to know particularly if they would otherwise vote Liberal, to know exactly who they would support. Hence the line that a vote for the independents is a vote for Labor. But it also does work the other way. Claire, I saw an ad this week from the unions warning that a vote for Clive Palmer's United Australia Party is a vote for the coalition. And then, of course, there's long been the coalition's line that a vote for the Greens is a vote for Labor. Yeah, that's exactly right. But the thing to note about that is that no one is expecting the United Australia Party or the Greens to win several seats in the House of reps at this election, whereas the Teal independents are said to be putting some really key Liberals under pressure. Uh, so that's why they're getting so much attention. And Claire, many have been far from clear about what they might do in the eventuality of a hung parliament. Warringah MP Zali Stegall has said that she would have difficulty trusting any undertakings from a Morrison-led minority government, but she's been in parliament for the last three years. Many of the first-time candidates haven't answered definitively at all, but they have policy priorities that line up more neatly with Labor policies than the coalitions. Yeah, and for their part, what the major parties say is that they won't do any deals with the independents to form government, but they would ultimately be forced to the negotiating table if neither side wins that 76 seats that are needed to secure a majority. So it is very much a watch this space situation. Claire, look, we might not need to go down this road if there is a clear winner out of this election. Yeah, that's exactly right. But the polls, uh, the they polls. point to <laughs> both of the major parties' primary vote being dangerously low and that opens the door to independent and minor parties being competitive in some seats. So, look, who knows? Uh, it's one of the reasons why this election is really exciting. Yep, it sure is an exciting one to watch. Not long to go now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Squiz the Election. If you have any questions about a hung parliament or anything else, we will have one last election-specific Ask the Squiz episode to go out on Saturday. So send your questions through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. You can have a listen while you're getting your democracy sausage. That's all for now. Until next time. 